here with Ben Waddleton. And I'm Ben Byford. Um, this is the Games and Culture and Stuff podcast. What have we been playing this week? Tony, do you want to go first? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I have been playing Night in the Woods. Um, and I've also been playing a weird little game that I randomly found and didn't intend to start playing called uh, Raft Simulator, which is <laughs> kind of amazing. Uh, Raft Simulator. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've been playing that in the woods. Um, Shakes, I know you said well, Ben. I know you said you were going to start playing it. Have yeah. You, have you had a chance to look at it or? No. Did you say you were playing Night in the Woods in the woods? No. You weren't uh, would, laughing I mean, Night in the Woods. No. <laughs> that would be dedication. That would um, be good. Yeah. <laughs> With a mask on as well. Uh, <laughs> That'd be good. Yeah. So no, I haven't played it yet. I'm very keen to play it. Um, cool. I, as you probably did, um, backed it on Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah I yeah. want to say three years ago. Some, yeah. yeah, some time ago. I mean, it's about it. And um, I backed it on Kickstarter at the same time. Oh, you're gonna have to excuse me one second. Oh. My pizza has arrived. Pizza. Okay. Uh-huh. Hold pizza that break. thought. What's What's Raft Simulator, Tony? Is it like, um, is it like is it like sim? Is it like a simulation for raft building? So, thing? raft simulator. I came across it um, on itch.io um, when I was browsing around, and quite often I will look at things on itch.io and go like, ah, ah, looks interesting, and then forget about it completely. Yep. But this time, because I had, I mean, I played it for like half an hour, time, so I'm not going to give like an in-depth review of it. Right. But. And it's, I don't even know whether it's a game that is going to be like properly released. They seem to have some development work going on. I don't know whether it's like a jam game. Um, I'm not sure, right. basically. But So I was like, oh, never mind, I'll download it, give it a go. And it is a first-person survival game mm. where <laughs> you start off on a raft of like four pallets, effectively, like wooden pallets floating around in the sea. And you have um, a hook on a rope. Right. And stuff, just random stuff, is floating past you in the sea. And you can kind of, so there's this kind of like fun, it feels like a mini game, but it's basically it's all first person shooter control. So basically, you use the, you aim at the mouse and then you charge up your, your rope slinging arm. Yeah. And then you throw this rope out into the sea with a hook on it and try and scoop it in various bits of kit. Um, so there's like barrels and foliage and random bits of wood. Yep, yep. Um, and then there's a really, I won't say it's completely janky, but certainly it took me ages to figure out how to actually use any of this stuff. But basically there's a crafting mechanic where having harvested these things, yeah. you can start to build out your raft. And so you can make your raft bigger and yeah. you can like... Do you like, do you like fall um, off the raft and, and like... Like you that. can fall off the raft, and there's also um, <laughs> the reason I stopped playing after half an hour. Although I think <laughs> go back to it, but the, the thing that happens is that there's kind of sharks and stuff. Right. <laughs> and basically, the shark turns up, and the shark seems incredibly interested in just eating your raft. So I was just like freaking out. I started building my raft, and then, then the shark just—I turned around, and there was just a shark, like with its mouth fully wrapped around half of my raft. Two yeah. pallets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just chewing in. Like it had a. <laughs> I mean, it was quite quite scary, and so I turned around and went, "Okay, what do I do about this now? Like, it's not harming me." <laughs> You're <but> so like... <laughs> calm. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what do I do about well, this? What do I do about this? So I'm like, well, halfway through the raft. I've got the hook, uh, 
at this point, I've got a hook and like a mallet that I've crafted, which you need to craft to actually make anything useful. Nice. Um, so I tried to hit it with the hook, and then at that point, it just disappeared along with half of my raft. Um, <laughs> it's just like <laughs> so. You're down to two pallets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's kind of the point. I went, all right, maybe I'll come back to this another time. But the stuff you can craft is kind of cool. There's yeah. a picture up there, their site, of like you can have extra layers to your raft uh, and stairs and stuff. Stairs? And, uh, yeah. Sorry, oh, sorry I just cups. missed that. Stairs, raft stairs. stairs. Raft stairs. Water world. That's pretty yeah. good. Yes. Um, it seems to have no concept of like stability, as in you can just bump stuff on it and it just yeah. goes ahead. That's, that's fine, good. That's fine. I'm kind of into it. That's good. It sounds um, to me like. Um, if I remember correctly, it sounds like um, there's another game where you're basically doing that, but it's in space. So you're building a like a rocket ship, and then you're kind of grabbing. Kerbal? Is that no? No, no there's something. Oh else. no, no, not no. Kerbal. Kerbal, Sorry, <laughs> sorry, oh, bad no. mate. Yep. Okay, fine. Um, you're kind of grabbing debris and smashing meteors or whatever that go past, and and sticking stuff onto your um, spaceship, and you can sort of stick it on wherever you want and that will affect how it's spinning or turning or whatever i get the impression i mean i've not even seen this game but i could already tell that i would be a lot more uh committed to my raft than a spaceship like i would if, <laughs> if a shark turned up and bit off half of my raft i think i'd be a lot more um sort of annoyed and uh, yeah Oh, definitely. I would start with Protective. But yeah, exactly. That's yeah. I mean, I, and I would... even as you add stuff on and stuff, you know. It sounds like one of those games that we should be um, streaming uh, Tony playing because every now and then Tony would just be like, oh, it's a shark. <laughs> no. <laughs> just, um, yeah, just. It, it, just, just a build up to it. You, you do see sharks kind of like circling around and stuff. Right. So there is a kind of build up to it. Um, yeah. But you said, oh, they don't eat wood, so that's fine. I'm sure it won't be a problem. I assumed assumed at some point that would become a problem, but it was just, it was was initially terrifying and then hilarious and then annoying when it was just like, oh, cool, we chopped up half of this stuff, which has taken me ages to like slingshot in the wood. Um, But no, I mean, the thing it revealed for me was that um, I felt like I was kind of overcrafting games in the sense that, like, I loved Minecraft, mm. and then a bunch of other people did kind of crafting type things, and none of it really interested me too much. Like, uh, don't starve. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, like, it's cool. It, it is a cool mechanic, um, but, I mean, I guess Cool Fortress is the exception to that rule. Yeah. I still love that, but that's slightly different. Well, um, it sounds to me, if it's like what I'm imagining, um, it kind of sounds like it's the fun bit of, well, for me, anyway, the fun bit of, sim city or something like that where you're just i mean i never got this far because i was no good at, at, at um at those type of things but you're going oh if i spend another 20 hours i'm going to be able to get like a statue to put in the middle of my town and then eventually yeah. we'll get like a rocket you know launch pad or something like that <laughs> yeah. i never got that far but the actual i was kind of more interested in just curating my town rather than winning the game um, so I think I, I would, like I say, I think I would get quite precious about my raft and being like, oh, maybe I could put a little sail over here and yeah. Yeah. Um, diving board, presumably. Yeah, no, it, yeah. No, it definitely tickled. It definitely tickled that, that, that part I'm, of me. I'm just um, taking a look at the video, uh, one of the videos for it now, and it, it does look very Waterworld, where you're kind of like you're almost building like a mini village on this raft because right, you yeah. can just keep building stuff, right? And um, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I think. 
levels and little cooking facilities and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested yeah. to see where it goes. Well, that's the thing. I, 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 I was saying, like, I don't, um, I, I'm not even sure whether it's a game that's still being actively developed. Um, like, they seem to have a few releases and stuff, so it was for a while. Tony, are you able to yeah. tell us anything about um, Night in the Woods without giving any of the story away? So I'm going to no. try very hard. Not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I can make general comments. Okay, cool. I mean, I mean, I think so. For people who haven't, who aren't on Twitter, I guess because everyone seems to be talking about, or was talking about it when it came out, at least. Sure. Um, Night in the Woods is a sort of platform game, but not really. Um, it's a story game told in a 2D style um, about a character called May who is a sort of anthropomorphic cat and she lives or she is in a world populated by other anthropomorphic creatures uh, which is confusing because there's also actual cats like normal cats walking around in the oh, world interesting. Yeah. Um, and birds which are not people as well um, <laughs> As well as bird people. You know. As well as bird people. Exactly. Uh, okay. So yeah, it's and it's the, the story is that May is a relatively young human being. I think she's twenty in the game, and she is returning to her small um, hometown after an event has occurred at her college or university where she was studying, um, and. Yeah, that's the kind of basic premise in terms of the gameplay. It's yeah, it's it's a very light platformer if you want. Like there is some jumping around and clambering on stuff and that kind of business. There is a bizarre array of essentially mini games that occur during the game. So some of them aren't even mini games. Some of them are literally just like a weird zoomed-in view with one mechanic that you can do for a short period of time. Um, there's two examples that I can give which happen. Early enough that I don't think they're really spoilery. Um, fairly early on in the game, you and your uh, old school friends find a dismembered arm just lying on the floor, and then you go into this like tiny mini game where effectively you can just prod the arm for a period of time. <laughs> and, like, it has kind of like quite a nice armature setup, so you can poke it around and like it moves around as an arm might do if you poke it, which is kind of cool. Uh, and then there's also a this is a recurring minigame, and there's also a, um, but there is a recurring minigame where you uh, attempt to play bass in your old high school band. Um, with, it has this whole kind of like Guitar Hero style system where you're like, trying to press the notes as they float past you on the screen. Turns out Guitar Hero is really hard if you don't know the song already, which obviously you don't because it's like... Ah, okay. Song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I found it pretty it's... hard anyway, to be honest. Well, yeah. I, as did I, but this was even harder. Um, especially because you're not ready for it, right? You're, you're busy wandering around, it's quite peaceful. <laughs> play the bass. You, um, you play, wait, you play the bass. Yeah, you do yeah, play the bass. <laughs> <laughs> so, not so especially not having like a plastic guitar, just having uh, kind of an array of keys on the keyboard is is, is nothing like playing oh, the actual even a, bass. Not even a controller. No, no, no. no. Um, type the bass. Type the bass, basically. <laughs> Um, hey, hey. But that, that, that's really nice. Um, so yeah, so you're wandering around. Um, it's not a sort of situation. It's basically telling a story, and there's dialogue trees and um, people to interact with, and yeah. 
uh, running like, and jumping to a certain extent. I feel like you're self-censoring the uh, the segment because the bad connection. <laughs> it keeps right. dro- you're dropping out every now and then, Tony. Oh, and then you've got a bleep, and then are they all happy ever <laughs> after? I'm quite interested because you said um, you discover a disembodied arm, but don't worry, that's not a big deal. That's, that's <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it's I really feel not. like you've just you know dropped an <laughs> no, 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 inciting no. incident on us, right? No, 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 no. That, that really is just a uh, oh, just tiny, tiny, tiny freakish right, to, right. to, to like the relevance. Um, Fair enough. But I mean, I will, I will say it, it's really nice. The the game is is mainly focused on telling you a story, right? Like it's very driven from a dialogue slash story point of view. The the writing is really nice actually. The, the you are an incredibly sarcastic. Thanks. Nearly not teenager. Mm. Um, and the tone you have it I, I don't know, like the, the characters and the story and the way that people speak, it kind of feels like a like a very good nineties um, or, or even eighties style uh, like teen movie, like a good one. Um, yeah. It has that kind of thing, and the story is is very affecting. And there's lots of things in there about kind of nostalgia and uh, the weirdness of returning home and not growing up properly. Have you finished um, it yet? Then I haven't finished it. Um, I think just from the amount of hours that people say it takes, I think I'm probably two thirds away from something. Like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, whenever I got the Kickstarter um, backer emails, they were always saying, you know, they were giving updates about, oh, this is how long we think the game is and stuff like that. That sort of thing really never applies to me because I play things so slowly anyway that I'm never like, oh, God, this is it's just not long enough. It's, <laughs> not, it's never a complaint that it's I have about video games. It's, oh, it's just not, not long enough. It's not, it's not yeah. eating up enough of my time. <laughs> No, exactly. I, I'm, I'm going to say I'm actually super happy with it. It should clock in like, yeah. maybe a few more hours of my time because I don't have the time to say hundreds of hours into something. Um, and yeah, I mean, it moves along quite well. Uh, it, it, it's not the sort of game you tend to get stuck in, per se. It's really nice, basically, is my short review. Um, if I had to complain about anything, mm. um, you have these dialogue choices and they are... By and large, very amusing, so you can you know, choose your reaction to what people are saying. And I think they serve very well to give an idea of how many things, perhaps. Like they illuminate her as a character, but they don't tend to have a huge amount of impact on the story always. Like not on the very micro level, right? So you're in a you're in a scene, basically, and things are happening and you're reacting to what people are saying. But it feels very much like there's a strong narrative drive of like this is where the authors want you to go and this is where the story goes and you don't have a huge amount to say about um which i guess isn't necessarily a problem but going into it you don't necessarily know that so when you're first making these choices i was very cautious about like oh i want her to be like this how much am i going to be affecting this yeah exactly and then you realize after a while that like essentially they serve as as i say they, they they work very well as a way to kind of realize how she thinks and and, and make you laugh or think but yeah in that way there's like one i was just thinking about kind of like there's dialogue trees and how they react and how um because obviously there's a lot of um, telltale games that are like that Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. that they have these decisions and that some of them 
bridge to different bits of the story. But often you kind of like, uh, it's either quick reactions and you have to do it, or it's kind of like uh, laboured and and you can spend ages deciding, oh, this one or that one. Uh, but I don't I don't know if there's a, maybe a halfway house where you kind of go like, you got two options. You're like, oh, I could be really mean here, or I could just be like, meh. And then if you leave it too long, that moment's kind of passed, and and then you get a different decision, a different like choice. Um, so the the two original choices go away because like you've taken ages. This person's like bored now. <laughs> you're just <they're> there. <laughs> yeah, you're staring at them. They're, they're waiting for you to reply, and you're not replying. And then eventually you get this other reply saying like. Oh, I'm really sorry that I feel this right, like and, and change um, how that plays out in the conversation, yeah. maybe, which I might think... not necessarily be the way that you wanted it to go. Exactly, yeah, and I think obviously that would be a total nightmare to write um, and get down. But I think it'd be really funny. It's like, oh, <laughs> should I wait here or like should I be really quick and do this thing? And yeah, I mean, I suppose you can, you can also it could also affect it the other way, right? That's kind of interesting because you could have it so that. If you're trying to intimidate someone, hmm. or you're trying, yeah, yeah. And you're being intimidated, for example, like yeah. being silent and taciturn for for a minute gives you a stronger option because it yeah. kind of throws them off their footing, perhaps. So yeah, it's kind of an interesting, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you're normally a really nice person and then you randomly yeah. said something awful out of nowhere, <laughs> that would really throw them off. <laughs> Whoa, man. <laughs> Hey, you, you, where you did that okay, come from? Are you? Yeah. My, <laughs> thing, my thing with those systems is that um, I think, like you're saying, Tone, I think maybe it would be nice to get it out of the way early. Let me know how much do I need to worry about what I'm clicking here? Or is this just a movie and I'm along for the ride? Because if so, then great. Because my thing is usually um, I'm stressing out about if I make this decision and I'm going to send myself off down a path and then I'm going to have to play the game again if I want to see it differently. (laughs) Even Firewatch, which which was great. And the whole point was to, you know, you could play a lot of times and get a lot of different results. Mm. Even in that, they put, they put a timer on the, if I remember correctly, they still put a timer on the conversation choices, which I just remember being a bit like, well, why are you putting me under pressure here yeah that's is that part of the mechanic is that part of supposed to be part of the fun is that oh you gotta choose quick yeah, yeah. maybe they're just Why like you, you said just let just me not explicit with the fact that if you leave it then it's bad or like it's going to reflect on you um and i guess maybe when you're playing it you don't necessarily know that's the case like you leave it and um you think that well i've just missed my chance there because i wasn't concentrating on the game i was drinking my tea you know i know exactly and as soon as you feel like you've missed your chance and that's one of those little like oh that wasn't like that didn't feel nice that didn't feel nice um also i mean another thing about firewatch and these and telltale definitely they're really fun to play with partner or friends on the sofa or whatever and when the decision comes up you can be like, all right, what do we want to do? Which way do we want yeah, to go? Sure. Do we want to do something funny? Do we want to see something cruel or whatever? If there's a timer, it's just kind of like, but quick though, hurry up, hurry up. Yeah. Um, just, well, let me, just let me yeah. choose. Uh, like, you know. Shakes, what have you been playing yes. this week? 
Um, yes. So the reason I haven't been playing Night in the Woods is yep. because another game that I kickstarted, Kickstarter backed way back three years ago um, at the very same time and just so has it that they've gone through ups and downs and they've been pushed back and, and whatever. Both games have been pushed back and they just so happen to come out within about a week of each other. Um, so I have been playing the, I don't know what you would call it, spiritual successor to River City Ransom or Street Gangs, as we would call it in Europe, um, which is called River City Ransom Underground, which is a fantastic, mm. loving, lovingly recreated version of one of my favorite NES games. Um, and it's very obvious that whoever was involved with this loved this game as well because they have gone, okay, we're not going to change a thing. We're not going to ruin anything for you. You don't have to worry. We're going to take all that stuff that you loved about it and we're just going to make it even better and, you know, modern and it's going to... I mean, I don't even know what you had to change. I thought the original game was perfect anyway. But uh, So I've been playing that. I've played about, I don't know, maybe an hour of it. So it's not, so not a lot. Um, but it's very fun. It's um, Yeah, so I think that's the, basically the core sort of thing behind it is mm. it's kind of like a uh, streets of rage type thing so yeah, you have like walking around you go from scene to scene you beat everybody up on the screen and then you can go on to the next screen and you beat everybody up again and you just keep doing that over and over again like life. um <clears throat> yeah very much like my day-to-day -day life yep um so i think you know streets of rage is a really great looking game as well um Maybe one of the things about this is that the visuals are going to have to sort of carry the whole thing along because you are basically just going from screen to screen, pressing punch, 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 punch. And one of the really nice things about this is that they've just kind of kept the original character design and things like that, but then they've got some fantastic animations and um, scenery and just it's just a gorgeous-looking game. It's really, really nicely done. As a huge, unashamed fan of um, pixel art anyway... I just love this game, so it's really, really nice. Um, so that's nice. I haven't even got into the story or anything. Um, basically, I think this game is going to go down a lot better with people who've played the original game, even though you can play it if you haven't. I think the beginning of the game basically throws you back in time and you're playing oh, that nice. original, the sort of scene from the original game. Yeah. So I think most of the game is going to be like, hey, wink, wink. That was in the old one, right? So uh, if if you're new to it, you're, you're going to miss all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, we played, I think we played that to death um, when we were younger on the NES, didn't we? Um, and to the point where you couldn't really save it. It was one of those games where there was no real checkpoints or like save states. Yeah. So you get through, like, because it kind of has these RPG elements where you have to accrue money and spend money on uh, equipping stuff uh, and getting better at fighting and uh, and beating your way through the game. And then you would get called for dinner and then that's it. Like, you'd have to then do all that again the next time. Mm -hmm. And I can remember being really frustrated but enjoying it so much, just being like, okay, well, we're going to have a big session and we're going to get further this time in the knowledge that as soon as that machine goes off, that's, you know, and I don't think I actually even finished it. Um, oh, we never finished it. Never no, finished absolutely it. Not. I think it was funny because that, that, that whole thing of restarting and doing what you've already done again um, would usually be a real pain in the ass. But the mm. game, the actual 
mechanics and stuff, it was so fun to actually play. You know, you can pick each other up and throw each other at enemies, and um, it's got you know weapons, and you can throw stuff across the screen and stuff. It was so fun just to do that. We didn't really care that we were never actually getting anywhere and nowhere near finishing it. That's true. That's true. The other thing that I've only recently found out was that because you can just run through each screen, you can fight your way through each screen and get what you're supposed to do, which I've I've recently found out is in each area, as you go from screen to screen, it says this is the jocks turf or this is the whatever turf, right? So it's each gang, right? You've got a different area, different gang. They control that area. You're supposed to beat up the boss, essentially, of each area. But the problem is that he he won't always turn up. So as a kid, we were going through and we just sort of thought, okay, you're supposed to go left to right until you can't go right anymore. And then you've won the game. But if you do that in street gangs, you can get all the way to the end and it just goes, what do you want? Uh, You need to go back and... And do you need to go back and beat up you all the other people? Yeah, you, exactly. You haven't been. This guy's except out it there. wouldn't tell you that. You would just get to the end. I remember getting to the end, which is the high school, and that's mm. where you're supposed to finish the game. And the gates would be closed, and it would just be like, oh, um, I don't know what to do now. Yeah, it wouldn't indicate. And I think which ones you'd missed or anything like that. It'd just be like, Psh. oh yeah, it doesn't yeah. say you've ticked off. You know, three yeah. out of five bosses yeah, yeah, or whatever. Like that. No, it would just look at you and go. Mm. What are you going to do now? Yeah, as with the new one, I don't know if they've they've changed the formula yet because I haven't even got to a boss. But, um, but does it have saving? Saving, right? Yes, it has okay. saves. It, if you die, it puts you back where you were, <clears throat> things like that. Nice. It's the future. Um, yeah, it's fun. I think, I don't know. I'm I'm waiting for something other than just punching and kicking and... Maybe they've put that in there, maybe they haven't. But um, if I was going to say anything negative, I would just say it gets re- quite repetitive pretty quickly. Mm. They've also got more enemies on screen, which means you're spending more time fighting as well. And the fighting isn't necessarily that difficult either. So you're spending a lot of time doing something that's not that difficult. Um, interested to see how mm. they kind of break that up. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to hear how it goes as you progress because... Mm. I mean, the other thing, when you say that it's obviously very tailored towards fans of the original, I wonder how much of that continues, right? Because as cool as it is to do just complete fans of fan service for people who played the game, it seems like an almost weird choice. It's like, surely you want to bring this to more people and say, hey, how great is this style of game? Um, and... I wonder how many fans there are of the original series, and whether. Well, I mean, I suppose it got successful with Kickstarter, so yeah, it's not possible. But I know what you mean. Otherwise, you know, are you just doing it for you and your fellow people who love this thing, or are you trying to show it to everybody else? And yeah, if you're constantly wink, wink, nudge, nudging, and like, hey, did you get that reference? Then um, mm. I thought perhaps I... it doesn't matter, right? Perhaps, perhaps um, people who haven't. Played the original. I mean, I I haven't, mm. so I certainly wouldn't. I wouldn't get any of this. Yeah. But perhaps it's a light enough touch that you don't mind too much. Yeah. Fine, you send me back in time, whatever. Like it's that's a trope anyway. So whatever. Yeah, uh, I'd be interested to to hear what the reaction is without those levels of nostalgia there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I might do it again. Sounds yeah. interesting. Well, I thought that's one good of, fun. One of the things I thought was really interesting about it when they first 
talked about on Kickstarter was that they went out and they were just a small development company and they obviously loved the game and they went and sought the trademark for to, to release a game underneath the same trademark so they could call it a street, like a, not street gangs, but the River City Ransom X, whatever they were going to call the next game. But they went out and they were like, no, we want we want to make the game River City Ransom the next one. Mm. That's what we want. We don't want to make our own game, which is pretty much like it with a different name. So I thought that was quite interesting. And I think they even got like the, the one of the original musicians or something to do some work on it as well. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, uh, so I don't it know. Fe- I, I mean, it feels exactly the same. Like they've obviously counted the frames of the mm. punching animations, the jumping animations. It feels great. Um, really nice touch is that now it's four players at the same time. On the NES, it was two. And that was another reason why it's so fantastic. You could both play at the same time. You could mm. co-op cooperative or whatever but now yeah four people on screen so maybe that's why they've added a whole load more enemies i've I've got a feeling that the next game um that we'll probably be talking about might be um a a lengthy conversation (laughs) um zelda came out zelda recently yes um and shakes you've been playing it have tony have you had hands on zelda at all no no nor have i don't own a Wii U, uh, and I'd be interested to hear because you've been playing it on your Wii U, right, folks? I have indeed been playing it on the Wii U, yes. I bought a Wii U uh, over a year ago with this game in mind, uh, and so now I am stubbornly refusing <laughs> to get <laughs> I will play it on the console that I originally thought I was going to play it on. Um, lucky for me, it yeah. looks pretty much identical from what I can tell. Um, it runs great. The only problem I have is... The Wii U is kind of a weird contraption. And uh, yeah, I'm going to talk about the Wii U to start with before I talk about the game, because this was, I mean, I played a bit of Mario Maker on the Wii U, but I didn't really touch my Wii U for, you know, over a year. So this was kind of my first sitting down and actually getting to grips with this console. I I basically bought the console and put it away until Zelda came out. So yeah, um, so you've got this giant gamepad. And it's really, really funny now seeing that the Switch has come out and seeing what they wanted to do. And now you've got this kind of strange thing that they made in between that kind of, they kind of failed. And now they're kind of like, well, don't worry about that because we've made what we actually wanted to make now. And now you've got this sad console that's um, just sort of like, well, I could kind of do that. So you've got this huge gamepad. It's massive. Your hands are really far apart. And because Zelda is, is great, you very quickly kind of forget. And, you know, I was worried about like, oh, am I going to have to get a little controller for this? Because it, this thing is just kind of, it feels so big and clunky and, and weird when you first start with it. But because the game is so great, you very quickly kind of just forget that you're holding this huge iPad in your hands. Um, except for the fact that the first thing you notice when you turn the console on, when you start the game, is on the uh, the pad, which has got the little screen in it, it has a message which says, if you want to play on the, the pad and not on your TV, you can just touch here. Um, great, fine. Except you can't get rid of that message. And that message is Whoa. white on black, and it flashes <laughs> like what? twice. Yeah, you know, wow. every couple of seconds it's flashing at you which means that you're looking at the screen and in the, in the corner of your eye, you can see this tiny little screen in your hands going beep. And it doesn't 
like nothing comes up on the screen when you're playing the game. There's no, I thought, oh, I can have my little mini map on there. Like, no, you can't have anything like that. All you have is some text saying, I know you're having a nice time watching this on the TV. <laughs> if you feel like watching it on this tiny little screen, you can do that. And it's going to flash at you. It's going, hey, 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 all yeah. the time. And it's so distracting. The best I could do was I turned the brightness on the little handheld um, all the way down. So it's slightly less annoying. But that sort of thing is just kind of, I can't believe, you know, why? Why have you done that? I need to turn this off. Great. If Trust me, if I want to play it on this thing, I'll work out how to do it. You don't need to, like, flash a message at me. So anyway, that's my gripe about the gamepad. I mean, what can I say about Breath of the Wild that hasn't been said already? Um, so it's summarized. fantastic. Yeah, so I think to really encapsulate it, I think all I need to say is it feels like you're playing an N64 again. Um, this kind of joins back to the River City Ransom thing where they've made it so fun to just do nothing in this game, to walk around, to climb. Um, they've made it so fun just to do that that they're, you're already winning. Like this game is already great because I've spent hours um, doing nothing except exploring and climbing things um, just because it's so good. It feels so nice. Um, it, it, it makes so much sense to me to just open the whole thing up right from the start and gate it with difficulty rather than with invisible sort of arbitrary barriers. Mm. Because if you want to go somewhere, the game just says, okay, fine. Um, you're probably, <laughs> probably going to get beaten up, but... You know, you're going to be running away from enemies. You're going to be having a hard time about it, but you can go there. And what that means, um, or certainly what I've been experiencing, is if you do trek all the way across the map and go to these obviously really difficult places, A, it's exciting because you're somewhere where you get hit once, you'll die. So you're, it's very exciting. Um, it's difficult. Two things which I really enjoy in games. Yeah. Um, and sort of C you feel like you're somewhere you're not supposed to be, which means that it kind of feels, it feels cool because you're going like, oh, I'm, I've, I've managed to get somewhere I'm not supposed to be because you can climb anything in this game. So you can just climb up the side of a mountain and even though they've put two kind of uh, fortresses either side of this mountain, so you can't go around it, if you spend 45 minutes, you can go up and over the mountain get down the other side and you feel this huge sense of achievement because you're kind of in this illicit thing that oh, I'm not supposed to be here yet. Like this is definitely way later on in the game. Um, and they've made it kind of like punishing enough to be fun, but also crucially, they've made it so you can just run away, which means that you can play the whole game. You can spend the whole time just kind of being a weirdo that just kind of turns up and ah, I'm not supposed to be here and I'm just running around. Um, and so this is why I've only done one major thing of the story, like the very first sort of boss or whatever. I've only done one and I've been playing it for, I don't know, days, days and days. Mm. And um, I spent the whole time just mucking about. It's so good. Nice. That's really, and that's, that's really interesting. I think, I think you probably answered this question already. But, so that was the thing that I had in mind when everyone was talking about like, oh, wow, it's open and you can kind of go everywhere. And, and that's really cool. Like, I really like that in principle. I think that as a, a kind of ideology of game design, I think that's really good. Um, but my question was going to be, how can you tell when you're somewhere that is 
just too difficult for you right now or always, always i mean obviously once you've had a one hit kill you kind of know like oh these guys are massive or whatever um but it kind of sounds like what you're saying is they sort of are gated in the sense you have those like fortresses for example or whatever it is but you can just circumvent them if you want to. so you kind of know is that is, am i right is that yeah you know that you... yeah i mean it's they they really haven't made it too obnoxious they really haven't put hardly any walls up against you um there's a few things that i've come across and you feel like you're sort of having a dialogue with the with the developer where where um the whole thing of it is based on when you're climbing you have a little stamina wheel so the the longer you climb without having a rest your stamina wheel goes down and when your stamina wheel gets to the bottom you slip off of the wall what that means is you have to be kind of really um clever about sort of glitching your way up the wall because you're you're trying to climb up and you're trying to climb up to the next little bit of geometry the next little polygon where you can actually have a rest because the game <laughs> thinks you're sort of standing rather than climbing so you have this this fun little game which i've been playing with myself it's like i'm gonna beat you game you don't want me to go up there but i'm gonna go up there because i'm just gonna <laughs> persevere and so the way they've kind of got around that um because they could have stopped you being able to do that right they've sure. clearly mm. gone Look, if someone wants to do it that badly, let's just let them do it. Um, the kind of nice touch is when, so the weather, there's weather, right? Dynamic weather that changes all the time. And when it's raining, climbable surfaces, which is basically every surface, becomes wet. And so you have a really hard time climbing up it. You basically take two steps forward and three steps back, which is obnoxious as hell. And it's, it's, having that power that like amazing climbing ability taken away from you is just like oh my god rain please go away because you know this is it feels so nice normally and then to to suddenly like have no climbing skill at all it just feels awful so what they've done is in, in a really interesting point of, of the map they've made it like oh just so happens there's a storm overhead and it's raining all the time in this area of the map <laughs> you bastards. I see, I see. Yes, nice. yes. So it's it's really nice. It really doesn't feel too obnoxious. It, it, What it feels like is because you do have to kind of like work a little bit to get places, but you crucially, you can get there. It feels like you're doing something they don't want you to do, even though I'm sure they've taken into account. And that's a brilliant feeling because if you feel like you're breaking the game, you feel like you're getting one over on the game, right? So you're having, you're just creating fun and satisfaction out of nothing. They don't, that's not like, they haven't added a, a mini game or a puzzle or a fight or anything. You're just sort of having fun. Um, and that's what I mean about like, it feels like playing an N64 or something where you're playing Mario 64 and it was just fun, just moving and jumping and running. That It's yeah. just like having a toy that you would just, you're just playing with a toy. It's just fun to, to do nothing. Mm. Wowzers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Well, you okay, go. so we're all going to buy um, Switches, um, uh, Nintendo's new console, and get Zelda. Or... Well, no, now I'm going to buy a Wii U because yeah. <laughs> save your money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, they... especially, because, especially because all of these reports of like, oh, the holster scratches the screen, or there's a crucial like hardware fault in the first batch of Switches. So I think it's all worth waiting. Right. So I think it's all worth waiting. For a Switch, especially if, you, like, if, it, if it's reasonable on the Wii U. I mean, I don't know how much they are these days, but it's got to be cheaper. Yeah. I would say so, yeah. And unless they have Mario Maker on the Switch as well, then I 
think that's a showstopper for me as well. I'm out. I've got no time for Mario Maker. It sounds oh. awesome, but <laughs> no, no, no. I, I know it's awesome, but like I cannot, I cannot put that amount of time. Yeah, into. Mario Maker. Um, because I wasn't. I mean, I had fun making levels, making little toy levels. Um, I think I very quickly hit a ceiling of okay, I know what this game is about, and the levels are basically they're just going to get more obnoxious and that's all that can happen. It's kind of the opposite of Zelda where you could just play that and do something different every time and make your own fun. Um, and I think that's what Mario Maker wanted to be. It wanted to be like, make your own fun. Yeah. Um, I just don't think there's enough in there. You're still, it's still very, it's still just Mario. It's still very constrained. I think I, um, I remember us playing a little big planet and trying to make some levels actually, and it was, um, it was free on PSN this month, so I got back into playing a little bit of a uh, little big planet. And although the third one, um, I don't think I'll spend ages going back and, and making levels in there because um, since three years, four years, I think we've kind of got to the point where we can start making our own levels and games um, somewhat. So. Yeah. A little bit more effectively, so uh, but it's still kind of, still kind of fun and, and tactile and good looking enough to be worth dipping into anyway. I found, um, but yeah, I'm not going to sink loads of hours um, into making little big planet um, levels or Mario Maker levels anytime soon. I don't think. Um, I think I think the thing about little big planet uh, was I was never interested in making a level. It was just what can I make. That isn't the level but uses all of this stuff yeah. um i don't know i'm feeling like a, a theme of me trying to do the opposite of what the game wants you to do because <laughs> it's fun and you're making your own fun from doing that if you feel like you're doing something it doesn't want you to do or you're somewhere that it doesn't want you to be that's infinitely more satisfying than mm. an npc going hey well done you got the thing is a pat on the back it's yeah. like did you find that because you played a lot of uh, Dark Souls and uh, and that's similarly kind of open and you get punished through being beaten up rather than gates and stuff, don't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can go places. Um, the problem with that is a lot of it is corridors and it's basically kind of like a corridor type feel. So everything is a lot closer and it's a lot more difficult to just breeze past and run past. However, it is possible, and it's probably the reason why I love watching Dark Souls um, speedruns, is because you're just you're just somewhere you're not supposed to be. It's just like I know for a fact that's not the right way, not the intended way, but it's far more interesting to see it, it not the intended way. Yeah. The problem with Dark Souls is that sooner or later you're going to hit a wall, which is a boss. It's not a big just a world that you can walk around it's corridors that end in big scary bosses so sooner or later you will just get splattered mm. zelda it's a beautiful balance of um danger but then it's nintendo so you're never really in that much danger there's there's no real jeopardy you're not going to lose any of your kit you're not going to lose any of your like experience or anything it's just a big sandbox where some areas of it are more dangerous more dangerous than others but i can yeah. always just zip back to where i was before sort of thing yeah nice. i think they've nailed it i really do yeah <clears throat> um yes. so tony 
Um, yes. You went to do, do Train Jam uh, recently, which I'm super jealous um, uh, that you did. Can you tell us how that went? Because uh, I still haven't heard. So uh, I can. I certainly can. Um, so again, for people who uh, are unaware, Train Jam is a game jam on a train that takes place. Uh, it's roughly, hmm, I'll say 72 hours. I think it's slightly less, but 72 hours on a train that goes from Chicago to uh, San Francisco just in time for feeling at GDC. Um, it's been running for three or four years, I think, and it was just started by um, a wonderful human being called Adriel, um, and I think she got together the first year with like a fairly small amount of developers, and it was just kind of a weird idea, um, so they just went on a normal, um, there is a train that does that route anyway, um, and you can have a sleeper car, or you can just sleep in your seats, uh, and they went and did it. Um, this year was quite interesting because uh, Amtrak turned around um, when they were organising it and said, oh, do you want a train of your own? So this year is in fact just a train full of game developers. Um, so there's like Ooh. 300 people who went. Wow. Um, yeah, it was insane. I mean... That's quite I, a lot of people on a train, like... It's an insane amount of people on a train. Yeah. And I kept seeing people who I didn't recognise, which is weird, because you just think like, well, I must have seen everyone by now, right? Like, we're all crammed with this tiny space. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Um... There was a lot of, in terms of the actual experience itself, there's a lot of kind of awkwardly having to introduce yourself to people at the beginning because you turn up in Chicago and you go get your tickets and then there's like a, there's, there was a party uh, the night before we left, um, so it's an opportunity to meet people then. And there was then kind of during the day before we left, um, there was a kind of, I don't want to say it was a mixer because that makes it sound even more awkward than it was, but essentially a sort of mixer with free pastries and coffee. Um, and uh, yeah, so the idea is you go along, you meet some people, you make a team, they announce a theme, and then you get on the train and start making a game. Nice. Uh, there's a lot more rhyming in that than I was intending. Um, <laughs> uh, I should write there. <laughs> um, no, uh, which is awesome. So yeah, I turned up, I... So I was back in Britain, as you both know, um, beforehand, and I thought to myself, this is very clever because living on the West Coast, I would rather not fly to nearly the East Coast, well, East-ish bit of America, and then come all the way back to the West Coast. So I'm going to be in Britain. That's good. I'll just fly to Chicago, um, which would be great. Um, as it turned out, my flight to Chicago went via LA, so I actually went all the way back to the West Coast. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then it's Chicago. Um, so I was feeling pretty weird by the time I ended up in Chicago. It was so, so dumb. Um, just like cool, I spent 14 hours on a flight to LA, hang out in LA for like two hours, and then get on another flight back to Chicago. Um, but don't worry, I'll be back soon. I'm just yeah, going to go yeah. on the train. <laughs> yeah, just pop it up, just pop it up for a bit. Um, oh my so God. So I was coming down, but whatever, it worked out for me. So I was not in the clearest state of mind for the initial part of meeting people and stuff, which is probably helpful because I was just a lot weirder than I would be if I was not jet-lagged and tired. Um, <laughs> but no, it was awesome. Anyway, I met a bunch of people. Um, the people, the group of people who turned up were amazing. Um, all the people I met, I guess, uh, and incredibly diverse in the sense of who they were and where they're from and what they were doing. 
and there's a bunch of students, which is really cool to see people who are kind of studying yeah. in game design and that kind of stuff. Uh, and we're kind of looking to maybe work with more experienced people or, or just have that experience of, of very swiftly prototyping game. Um, there was a fair amount of, I guess you would say, professional game developers. They worked at studios or had indie studios of their own and that kind of stuff. I felt slightly weird as a person who likes to make video games for jams, but doesn't do it for a job. And I don't know, it's not in either of those camps, but that was kind of fine. And obviously the people, everyone was happy to meet everyone, so that was cool. Um, so yeah, um, I ended up meeting a lovely bunch of people. A guy called Seth, who is a professor at a university um, teaching game stuff, a variety of different things. And he was there, he brought a bunch of his students along, so he was kind of there really for them to kind of make sure that they were okay and help them out and stuff, but also secretly wanted to make a game. So that was fine, but he, you know, it was kind of interesting to meet him and kind of see what he was doing. Um, and then I met a guy called John Corn, who is... Um, John Corn. He, yeah. Uh, so he um, he does some work at uh, NY Film Academy, I think I want to say. It's a film school, but they do some interactive design. So he does some lecturing there, and then he makes games on the side. Um, yeah, he was super nice. He met a guy called Ahmed, who's another programmer. Um, he joined us quite late. Um, and then, so we had basically kind of three and a half programmers doing this programming, some programming and some more design sort of like game field type stuff. And so we decided to make a game, and that was cool. Um, so it was, what was, it was the fun. theme? Uh, the theme was, uh, I don't remember what it was, because I have to say the film, the theme was suitably woolly. Um, right. It was uh, unanticipated consequences or something like that. Like, it was super woolly. Right. Uh, um, and so John and I, uh, did minutes to try and come up with an idea before people were pitching for team members and all that sort of stuff. And so we came up, actually this is quite funny considering what I was saying earlier about crafting mechanics, but uh, so we came up with an idea <laughs> for a game where you basically craft um, different materials together and the result of that crafting was going to be a bit more random than you would normally have, like in a normal crafting type game. So basically you would put these things together and there was a sort of expected outcome, but um, uh, but, you, but but there was a chance that you'd get something better or something worse than you were expecting from it. Um, so our original pitch was uh, Minecraft meets uh, full, metal, uh, full Metal Alchemist, so there's kind of like a crafting game mechanic thing with putting these things together. Um, what we ended up with was more sort of Pokemon meets Minecraft, which is doing a great disservice to both Pokemon and Minecraft as games. Because um, I played this game, and I, so I know what it's like. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, fucking weird is what it's like. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, so for, for people who don't know me, to, 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 to put this in some context, um, I make games for jams, basically. Like, that's why, that's the only games that I've made ever, really, to a point where I put them in the public, have been the result of me basically doing Mood and Dunley. And I always do it on one, I pretty much do it on my own. Um, and so this, well, all with you in the same room then. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, and this was a very interesting experience, especially because you don't know each other. They're all very nice and we got them very well. Um, 
but it is an interesting experience putting yourself in that moment. There's two or three other people, two or three other people doing kind of the same thing um, together, and kind of you've got this idea of what it's going to be in your head. And I, I, sh I know I should know this from my professional life, but it's always amazing how you can sit down and talk about something, and then everyone has a different idea of what that is in their heads, and then you can come up with something together. Um, but it was cool. Um, I mean, so it evolved from our initial thing into this kind of, it was kind of like, well, if we're going to do crafting these items, like, why do you care? Like, why are you going to go and do this? What's the point of having these items in the first place? So from that, it was a leap to like, okay, well, it's Pokemon. So basically you're wandering around this kind of top-down 2D world um, and you're going to have encounters with other people yeah. and you're going to somehow um, But it's like, not just Pokemon, right? So, okay, so... Uh, I'm, I'm hearing game. what you're saying. Okay, and so, I've played this game. <laughs> yeah, I've played, so for, for people listening, they'll be like, oh, right. A lot cool, more yeah, stream of consciousness. You get Pokemon and you pick them up and you fight them against each other. Yeah, so no, it's not like that. So, <laughs> so, so I'm building to it. I'm building to it. Building it. Okay, fine. So, so, so the, the items that we... It wasn't very clear where this was taking place. Like, what was the world you were inhabiting when you did this thing? Yeah. Uh, the it was pretty obvious that we didn't want to do like it started from very much a crafting of inanimate objects. So it wasn't going to be creatures. It wasn't going to be Pokemon quite together. It wasn't going to be animals. Um, and then yeah, because of the beautiful like congruency of different people having similar ideas piled into one, a few things happened at once. One was that we had like okay, it's going to be in the sewer, which means that the items you're picking up are basically scrap. Um, the backstory, which is not at all told through the game, but like it's basically this kind of post-apocalyptic thing where basically you're scavenging these items uh, and combining them in a microwave. Um, yeah. I can't remember when the microwave came up, but basically, <laughs> items you're going to put them in a microwave. Very late at night. Very yes. <laughs> um, and then that's going to combine into kind of weird amalgams of those things. Yeah, which are um, alive, like Pokemon. Well, here's the thing. Kind of. So. <laughs> They were never meant to be alive, um, but it was definitely something late at night that someone said, hey, I can put googly eyes on these. And yeah, sure. We went, yeah, sure, that sounds good. Why not? Let's do yeah. that. I, um, love, I love playing this thing in the knowledge that you made it on a train over a number of days yeah. with no sleep. <laughs> was there much, much And it made a lot more sense if I thought about it like that. Jam train, yeah, chain Yeah, drinking, uh, that sort of thing. It was, it was, beer was available, but I did okay. not drink. Yeah. Uh, sleep did the job just fine. Right, sure. exactly. Um, yeah, so I guess the last piece for people who haven't played the game, i.e. everyone, the last piece of it was that we definitely didn't want it to be combat, just because everyone loves combat. Um, and so one of the guys on the team, Ahmed, came up with this wonderful idea that basically they would be doing a catwalk and like voguing, and then whoever was the most fashionable piece of like, convoluted trash would win. Um, and so that basically, I've now described what the game actually is, I think, which I, is that yeah. you are wandering around a sewer, collecting bits of weird stuff, and putting them in a microwave, and then you get to buy nice. them in a catwalk fashion show against other people's <laughs> weird stuff. Amazing. I think that's um, the best amazing. bit. Um, when I was playing it, then I was like, I encountered a different another person, and then this thing happened, and I had no idea what was going on, and I only realised afterwards that they were on this catwalk, mm. so your rubbish yeah. were like competing against each other, each other and it it made no, no sense whatsoever, <laughs> but was enjoyable. I'll go with know? it. And I was like, yeah. okay, cool, this is happening. I, I, I'm, I'm, I've done something. I'm, 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 
I'd be lying if I said that it was everything I drank from in the game, right. but certainly I was super pleased with it in the end, mainly just because it is incredibly weird, and I met some people at GDC the week after who were just like, what is that thing yeah. you created? Like, um, fascinating fascinating so cool. insight I've, into your mind i've actually found yeah. it now so if you go to itch.io forward slash jam forward slash train dash jam dash 2017 you get to all the entrants go to um the train jam on itch.io and it's sewer vogue and you can see it but there's obviously everyone else's entrance um from train there are some jam. amazing other entrances by the way some of the like some of the games are well, every game that i played that other people made yeah that was awesome in a, in a different way. But yeah, it was really cool. I think just in terms of um, getting more experience of making games and doing game stuff, it was really awesome. And I think that, um, I don't know, they taught me a few interesting things. I think that, well, I had gone there fully expecting to work in Unity, which I, is not my like forte. I've done some stuff in Unity. I'm not super experienced in it. Um, but I was fully expecting to turn up and work in Unity because basically everyone there uses Unity and therefore it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where like, well, we all work in Unity, so that's what it gets. As it turns out, Seth, the guy I met, and Ahmed both were interested in doing JavaScript stuff, and I said, well, I've done more stuff in JavaScript, so let's do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and by and large, Phaser, right? Phaser JS, yeah, yeah, yeah. And by and large, I was happy with that choice, but the three of us it worked pretty well. But because there were more people, you know, it wasn't just me on the team, it, it kind of made me realize why things like Unity are great because, so John, as I say, well, he was doing mostly design stuff. He, he does make games himself and he, he has experience with Unity and stuff. And like, he was really keen on kind of improving like the game feel and I can't think of a better word for it, but you know, kind of effects and adding um, a bit more substance to the game rather than just being just a kind of very prototypical thing that we, that we began with. And obviously, this seems obvious in hindsight, but um, he was kind of like, well, you know, like, had it been in Unity, it'd be very easy for me to just drop in like a particle effect and like see how it works and then like hand that off to you guys to, to integrate it or like put some camera shake or hand or, yeah. you know, easily add to the animations and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that was a kind of important takeaway that just like tools like that can be very useful, especially if you've got other people on the team, so they can just kind of dive in and like fiddle around with stuff and just kind of see how how things are going to work. So it, does, it doesn't necessarily mean unity, but certainly yeah. providing that level of kind of... I think, uh, I think yeah. we've definitely found that like uh, amongst ourselves in the past, having a pipeline for assets and like um, a pipeline for um, animations and, and the work me and Shakes have done recently, just going, can we make something 3D and that animates and bosh it in and so you've got yeah. more than one person working at the same time and, and making that all seamless is, yeah, it's super important. But it's really that, interesting. I mean, more difficult, I guess, if you've got to then make all that stuff yourself, like if you're working in... Well, exactly, exactly. I think, I, I mean, I still think, you know, and clearly there are many ways to do this and you need to do and that kind of stuff and clearly plenty of people are still rolling their own stuff or they're using other tool systems out there. So I think there's lots of options. But it just kind of made that made that thing uh, a bit more clear to me. Um, yeah. Side note: on the second night, John and I were having some downtime for making Silver um because we were just like, I can't think about this at all. And he whipped up the prototype, which I then helped him a little bit with, which was um, a 
typing game and then effectively you could just type what you wanted to and then when you typed an obscenity uh, it would play the westward horn and like flash red at you <laughs> basically tell you off for writing naughty words um, and it was such a stupid little idea it was hilarious at the time and i still think it's pretty funny um <laughs> okay uh, sounds um, good yeah um but, but just to kind of reinforce this again it was like so with that um, it was an incredibly simple interface. It just kind of showed the keys and it showed what you were typing. But just being able to tweak the animation of the keys as they moved and having a nice little effect when they when, when they got pushed down all the way, and just being able to iterate really quickly on and this was in Unity, um, and and just being able to iterate really quickly on like how it looked and how it felt, made something which was incredibly dumb and incredibly small in terms of what was. It was like some sort of keys on the screen, yeah. and then the words that you type. Like, there's nothing there. There's nothing to it really. But just adding those little touches made such a huge difference to like. Yeah. Oh, this is actually kind of just the act of typing is kind of fun because there's a satisfying noise and there's a satisfying yeah. animation happening when you do it. Um, it it sounds really very much like that. Um, add like more juice um, talk that the guys from Vlambia did. Um, the uh, yeah, screenshot talk. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, um, yeah. Add more juice. Um, I think we're getting to the end. Um, I've got an idea for a, se a segment, which is the things that I've done which are stupid this week, and I accidentally <laughs> put my. I know what you're going to say. Wow. This is amazing. Have we got like, long enough to? Um, no, this is going to be short. So I, I had a coffee and I was reading something from a computer and I accidentally put my chin in my coffee and it burnt my chin and it really hurt. Um, no one so has ever go. done that in what? history before. I've never done that. I don't understand how I did do it. Although I told someone, one of my colleagues, who said that they had done that before, and I don't know if I believe them or not, but, you know, maybe they were just trying to be, um, you know, yeah, Ben, that's fine. Everyone does that. That's oh, fine. yeah, we all yeah, put our yeah, chins yeah, in sure. our coffee. <laughs> oh, mate, this guy out of mate, here. So here's the thing, Ben. I, I, yeah. That is not the story I was expecting you to tell. Oh, uh, no, I'm the other still, story. I'm still really puzzled as to why... Well, you better just say it, because I don't okay. know why. So the other quick story of a stupid thing that I did this week as well is um, in... The fact that I've moved house um, recently, I've got loads of polystyrene everywhere and I'm trying not to throw it away. <laughs> I'm trying to find uses for the polystyrene because it's just so much of it, right? And I just don't really want to put it all in the bin and then feel bad about it. Um, so what I did is I started blending my polystyrene <laughs> in a blender. I don't know why you thought this would make anything better. Um, so I was like, cool, I'm going to compact this stuff down, yeah? And I'm going to put it in my blender and, um, I don't know, put it into cushions or something like... There was, there was gonna be it was an experiment i was going to see if there's something at the other end of it and it turned out that if you put polystyrene <laughs> in a blender it it's mm. basically blending against plastic because the blender itself it's like plastic and so it's whisking around and getting really really fine but also getting very 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 staticky because because it's just basically ah. rubbing against the side of this plastic container so as soon as you open it then there's polystyrene snow everywhere, and it just sticks to everything, like the walls. What, it, it flew out of the blender as soon as you opened it? Well, as soon as you kind of take the, the top off, yeah. I mean, it's because it's very weightless, so it kind of goes everywhere. It's very it's weightless. Amazing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so, and also getting Much rid of weightless. it is, is not great. So try not to put polystyrene in the blender because... <laughs> yeah. I will try uh, it goes everywhere, but maybe maybe there's a game in there. I don't know. Blend blend things. That's it. There's a show called that. Should it? Should it? Does it blend? blend? <laughs> should yeah. it be blended? It shouldn't. Should blend. Does it blend? No, no. And you can say yeah. no to them. 
No, um, it's just yes or no. <laughs> so I think we're going to call it. This is uh, Ben Byford. I am um, at Ben Byford on Twitter. Yes, and my name is Ben Waddleton. My handle is at Supershakes on Twitter. And I'm Tony Finch, and my handle is at TigerChops on Twitter. Awesome. Okay, well, thanks, guys, and I will speak to you all next time. Bye! Bye! Bye. Bye.